Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. Uh, this is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, once again, uh, hosting this conversation about what it means to be a leader in a ministry organization today, or perhaps to be a leader in a local church setting. Uh, these podcasts really try to focus on practical issues related to ministry leadership, and today I want to talk about one that's uh, about as practical as uh, possible, and that is I want to talk about uh, the issue of God provides. I want to talk about uh, what it means as a leader to learn to trust God for his provision and to learn to understand the, the, the ways, the means, and the timing of his provision. Now, I'm talking to you today from a book that I wrote a few years ago called Seasons of a Leader's Life, and I wrote a little section in that book on, God's provide, on God Provides, and so uh, if you want to take a look at it in more detail, you can, you can do that by finding the book. Well, God called a man named Peter uh, through Jesus to be a leader in his kingdom. And so as Jesus dealt with Peter, uh, he taught him many lessons, uh, both by instructing him, but in some cases, almost more importantly, by showing him things that would help him understand spiritual principles. You know, Jesus launched his teaching ministry, for example, in Capernaum, and that's where Peter lived. Uh, Peter had a house there, and his mother-in-law was living with him, and she was very sick. And so early on in their relationship, Jesus went to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. Now, in doing this, he demonstrated to Peter his capacity to meet his personal needs. You know, as Jesus was dealing with Peter in the early days of their relationship and probably talking with him about the possibilities of spending more and more time in leadership with him and then ultimately calling him uh, in that famous incident with the fishing story uh, where Jesus uh, directed him to catch that multitude of fish and then called him to be a fisher of men from that day forward. I'm sure that Peter, as a businessman, and let's keep that in perspective, Peter was a very successful businessman. The Bible said he had multiple business partners and operated multiple fishing boats. And so he was not a, uh, a casual guy out for a recreational day of fishing with a cane pole and a bobber. Uh, Peter was a commercial fisherman who owned a business with multiple boats and multiple partners. And so as he's thinking about walking away from that, it would only be natural for him to ask the question, well, where's the money going to come from to take care of my family? And how am I going to meet the needs of my family? And how will I take care of my extended family? And how will I maintain my household? So all of this uh, would naturally have been going through Peter's mind. And so Jesus used this occasion of healing his mother-in-law to show him very clearly early on in their relationship, I, I will meet your personal needs. I will take care of your family. Now, for leaders, this is an important principle to understand. God provides, and he takes care of our personal needs, including the needs of our families. I know sometimes leaders uh, hide behind uh, this statement, well, I need to do what's best for my family, or, well, I need to take care of my family, or, well, I need to protect my family. And certainly, uh, there is a need to do all three of those things and to take responsibility for a, lead, for a family. That's part of being a good leader. But sometimes, sometimes, what I really hear when a person says that is, I feel like I'm responsible for my family and I can't put them at any risk because God might not come through. It's hard to learn to trust God for your family and with your family, but God provides. God provides for you and he provides for your family and he will take care of you and he'll take care of your family. I know right now our family is scattered around the world. Uh, I have one son that lives and works internationally and 
another son that uh, lives and works in Portland, Oregon, where he owns a company uh, and is an active leader in his church. And I have a daughter who's married to a church planter in Wyoming, and they're doing really good things there. But uh, two of these have children, two each, so I have four grandchildren. And sometimes I, I just feel a little overwhelmed or uh, by the fear of what might happen to my family since they're scattered in so many places. And I, I feel some anxiety about my grandchildren and, and how, how they're going to make it in a world that's so complicated and becoming uh, so much more challenging to our values and our faith. And then I come back to this principle, God provides. God provides. God is well able to take care of my family. He's able to take care of my wife. He's able to take care of my children. He's able to take care of my grandchildren. And while I certainly have some responsibility in this, and I bear that responsibility willingly, I have to face up to the reality that I can never be the ultimate source of my family's well-being, my family's financial strength, or uh, my family's protection from evil. And so God is the one I have to depend on to provide. So God provides and meets our personal and our family needs, but God, God also provides by meeting our financial needs. And God taught Peter this lesson in a really amazing way. Uh, God knew that, uh, or Jesus knew that Peter was a fisherman. And so Jesus, uh, or Peter came to Jesus one day and said, uh, we have to pay a tax and, and we don't have the money. And Jesus said, well, we, we'll get the money. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and bait a hook and drop it in the lake, and I want you to catch a fish, just one. And when you catch that fish, open its mouth, and you'll find inside it the coin that's needed to pay the tax. I often wonder how Peter must have heard those instructions. I would have thought, okay, Jesus has lost his mind. He wants me to go to a lake, bait a hook, catch a fish, find a coin. <laughs> Right. But that's not what Peter did. He didn't think that and walk away and said he, he thought, well, all right, if that's what Jesus wants, I'll try it. So, Jesus, so Peter fulfilled the instructions he'd been given. And amazingly, the fish produced the coin. And Jesus was doing more here than just finding the money to pay a tax. He could have done that by any means he chose. But Jesus was trying to teach Peter an important principle, and that is, God provides. God provides financially. When you need money, God knows that, and he will come through. He may do something as unusual as sending a fish with a coin in its mouth, but he has a remarkable capacity to get the money to his people at the right time to meet their financial needs. Now, my wife and I have many stories of how God has taken care of us over the years, and a number of stories about how he has amazingly provided just in the nick of time or just in the moment. But perhaps the most dramatic of these stories happened uh, early in our marriage when we were really struggling financially. Uh, I was a pastor of a smaller church and a working class church, and they, they paid me as much as they could, but it was a challenge to live in that community on the income we were provided. And so we found ourselves uh, scrimping and saving and using every coupon we could and uh, looking for God's provision and asking for him to take care of us, and he did. We had a baby and a preschool child, and one morning I got up and my wife said, the refrigerator has stopped working. So I looked in it, sure enough, the refrigerator had died overnight. Well, there were a lot of ministry demands that day, and so I said, listen, Ann, um, I need you to just get a cooler, put some ice in it, 
uh, pack the baby formula and the baby food, and, and I'll try to figure out something to do about this refrigerator sometime later today. I thought maybe I can find a used refrigerator at a secondhand store or something, but we'll, we'll do something to get a refrigerator. Well, um, I had been working with and ministering to a man that was dying of cancer. And this man had visited our church a few times. He wasn't a member, but he didn't really have very much family. In fact, the only person that he had that was really caring for him was his banker, who was also a member of our church. So later that day, I went by the hospital and visited my friend. And then later that afternoon, uh, he passed away. So the next day, I didn't have time to look for a refrigerator. I was busy trying to get a funeral service planned and put together. Uh, working with the family, which was very small, but trying to get them pulled together and trying to find, uh, you know, the people to help lead the service and all of that because the man that died, he really had very, very little support or very little help. And then the next day we did the service, and I told Ann, look, I, as soon as the service is over, uh, I'll try to find a way to get this refrigerator issue resolved. And so um, I don't remember if it was at the service or, or just after, but Ken, the banker, said, hey, listen, um, I need you to come by the bank. Uh, I need to see you just for a minute. So I made my way over to the bank, wondering now what could Ken need? I mean, we've just been through three intense days together bearing his friend. Maybe he just needs to talk to me about the grief he's feeling or something like that. So I went into Ken's office and said, uh, hey, you asked me to come by, and uh, how can I help you? He said, well, I think it's how I can help you, actually, Jeff. He said, uh, before our friend passed away, he uh, indicated that he really... Uh, cared a lot about you and appreciated how you'd reached out to him and supported him, even though you, he wasn't a member of our church, uh, while he was going through his cancer struggle. And I said, well, you know, I was glad to do that. And he said, well, before he passed away, he, he, he wrote out a check for you. Uh, he wanted that distributed before his, uh, you know, his will took over because uh, he wanted you to get the money directly and immediately. And so he handed me a check, and it was a check for $500. Now, this was back in the mid-1980s, and $500 seemed like all the money in the world to us. But I looked at that check, and the first thing that popped into my mind was refrigerator. And so I called Ann and said, new plan on the refrigerator. I need to come by and get you, and we need to go shopping. She's like, how, did we, how are we going to be able to do that? I said, just wait till I get home, and I'll tell you the whole story. And so I went home. I told Ann the story. I showed her the check. Uh, and we went that day and bought a refrigerator for $495. Uh, it was just such a m miracle to us how God once again stepped in and took care of us right in the moment of our need. Uh, no one except Ann and I knew that our refrigerator had died. No one knew that we had this need. Uh, there's no way that God could, that anyone could have orchestrated this but God. And God put it in this man's heart just 24 hours before he passed away to do something kind toward me for the ministry I'd provided, and in that kindness, God's provision was found. So God uh, meets our needs. God provides for us. He provides for us by taking care of our personal needs and our family needs, and God provides for us by taking care of our financial needs, by giving us uh, a refrigerator if we need one in a critical moment. Now, uh, over the years, we've had so many other incidents, not just the refrigerator story, but others, and and we've constantly and frequently asked ourselves the question, how are we managing this? Or how is all this happening? Or how are we making this work? And quite honestly, we don't have answers to those questions. We just know that God has kept our family fed and clothed and sheltered. And amazingly, God has also provided some additional resources for extras in our lives, like vacations and college educations. God 
really does provide. And God has provided for our family in, in two ways. He's provided for us by, by his provision, but he's also provided by his protection. Now, God's protection is the unseen way of his provision. Um, we don't see it so often because we don't know what didn't happen to us. For example, I drove to work this morning, and I have no idea of the car wreck that God prohibited me from having. Or I have, uh, I uh, don't have any idea of the germs that God kept from getting in my body that kept me well. Uh, I just don't have any way of seeing God's protection, but the Bible says God is protecting us. And in Malachi, in that famous passage about the tithe, uh, God says not only will he reward us and provide for us by opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessing until there's no more need, but God also says in that same passage that he will rebuke the devourer, meaning the, 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 the circumstances of life that try to eat up his provision that he's already given us, he rebukes that and protects us from it. So God uh, meets our needs. God provides. He provides for our personal needs, including our family needs, and he provides for us financially. And he does that by sending us provisions, sometimes in unusual or remarkable ways, and by protecting us. Now, over the years, I had a, I've had a, mis, a misunderstanding or a kind of a mis, mis, misplaced hope that someday I would get to the place in my life where I would have enough money, both in my personal life and in my ministry life, that I would have enough money that I would never have to worry about, depend on, or pray for God's provision. But I've discovered that is simply not ever going to happen. In fact, uh, when I came to the seminary a number of years ago, I met with the chief financial officer at the time. His name was Gary, a good and godly man. I met with him and said, Gary, one of the things you need to understand going uh, up front in our relationship is that we will never have enough money to do the work that God expects of us. And he said, oh, yes, yes, we will. Uh, we manage our money carefully. We always stay in the black. We, we always pay our bills. We, we have no debt. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not questioning your capacity to manage what we have. I'm telling you that the vision of what God wants us to do will always exceed the available resources. And God will do that because he's at work in my life to constantly keep me on edge and keep me prayerful and humble and dependent on him financially. And so we're always going to be asking God for resources and depending on him to provide in ways that we could not have imagined or anticipated. Well, Gary smiled and said, ah, now I see what you mean. It's going to be quite an adventure then. I said, yes, it is, Gary. And that's really what's happened at Gateway over the past 14 years. Uh, we've always had a vision that exceeded our resources. Now, we've never spent more money than we had. But we've always had a vision that exceeded our resources, and that vision uh, creates a, a provision gap between what it will take to fund the vision and what we have to get accomplished. And so God has had to step in repeatedly over the years to make it possible for us to go forward. And God has done that. God has provided the resources to launch our counseling program. God has provided the resources to launch our Korean English bilingual program. God has provided the resources to launch our Chinese English bilingual program. Uh, God provided the resources to build two new campuses in California through the relocation and sale of our former property. Uh, God has provided scholarship resources for us. Several million dollars that have been given over the years that are in our endowment now that are generating income for students to, uh, for us to use to fund students going forward so that they have the resources to come to seminary. God provides, and he has consistently provided to help us to do what he's asked us to do. So I've learned that while we never have all the money necessary to 
uh, fund the work that God puts before us, that I don't fret about that. Or I'm not anxious about it because I know that if it is really God's vision, God's going to provide. God has a capacity uh, to use his provision to get done what he wants done. Now, he does that in a couple of ways. Obviously, I've been talking about the fact that God provides, and by his provision, he spurs us on or moves us forward or takes care of the, uh, or satisfies the vision that he's given us. But I want to give you the other side of it as well. And that is, the other side uh, of this issue is that God also withholds his provision. Now, there have been a few things at the seminary over the years that I've wanted to do, and God has not yet provided the money for those things to be done. And my only conclusion can be that God doesn't want them done or God doesn't want them done right now. You see, it's not that God lacks provision. It's that he doesn't want us to do some things. And that's why our seminary has a policy of operating without debt. You know, I I really am saddened by leaders who I think run ahead of God, go into significant debt that they really can't afford or can't really service, and then find themselves... uh, uh, limited in the future as they go forward and unable to do all the things that perhaps they felt like that God really wanted them to do. And so uh, the, the hard reality is uh, God does pr- withhold his provision sometimes to keep us on his timetable or to keep us from doing things that he really doesn't want done. Sometimes leaders get uh, ideas that really aren't from God and God withholds provision to keep those from happening. And sometimes God or leaders get ideas that God does want done, but not until he's ready. This is a good example of this is our Chinese-English bilingual program. I started talking about this several years ago, and we determined that we would need about $500,000 to launch this program, and so uh, we started aggressively looking for that and talking about it and sharing the vision with different donors, and no one had any interest in making that gift. Now, at the same time I was doing all of that, I was also relocating the seminary. And so I I was often puzzled, God, there's such an opportunity and such a need in the Chinese-American community and in the Chinese community globally. Why aren't you providing? Well, Gateway Seminary relocated, rebranded, and had this massive event called a gala to celebrate a three-day party, our new campuses and our new identity. And after that was over, on the third day, uh, a donor came to me and said, listen, uh, like a minute to talk with you about the Chinese-English bilingual program. All right. He said, I really feel God wants me to make this happen, and uh, I think this is the right time. And what he was telling me is that God uh, had been delaying in his mind the gift until he felt like the seminary could put the appropriate attention it needed on the project. It would have been hard to launch a program while we were relocating, but now that the relocation was over... God sent us the resources, and that donor did give us $500,000 to help us launch this program, and we're in the process of doing that. Now, I've spent about uh, 20 minutes explaining this on the podcast and different aspects of it, but uh, (laughs) I preached on this once in chapel, and afterwards, a student came up to me and said, Mr. President, I can summarize that 30-minute chapel sermon in five words. God's will is God's bill. Man, that's a great sentence. God's will is God's bill. In other words, what God wants done, He knows that He's uh, going that He knows there's going to be uh, expense required, and God will provide the resources needed. Well, how has God used this entire process of His provision to help me spiritually to grow as a leader? 
God has provided for my personal needs, including my family needs. God has provided for my financial needs. God has helped me to learn that he provides for the work I lead corporately. Uh, what God envisions for us to do, he always provides that the means for us to do. And we're, when God withholds protection, uh, or excuse me, when God withholds provision, uh, I know that it's either the wrong idea or the wrong time, and I've learned to trust him along the way. But in the context of all of this happening, how has God shaped me spiritually? Well, here's some specific ways. Number one, God has used this process to hone my spiritual edge. I am arrogant. I'm prideful. I want to be successful. Um, my ego can get out of control pretty easily. And so God has honed my spiritual edge on the issue of humility and dependence. He's made me more of a child in relationship to him who's dependent on him as a loving father to take care of me. So instead of strutting around and crowing about how great a leader I am and how much provision I've raised and, and how um, uh, I've been able to do so many dramatic and remarkable things, I find myself instead saying, you know, I'm only able to do these things because God provides. And God's provision has humbled me, made me more dependent on him, uh, given me more of a servant spirit, given, created a childlike attitude in my heart. God has used this whole area of provision to shape me spiritually and hone me spiritually and give me a sharper understanding of how to be in relationship with him. Second, uh, God has controlled the timing and the pace of both my ministry advance and some personal decisions that I've made over the years. You know, God has a timing for our lives. Um, I talked about that in a previous podcast when I laid out a theology of time. And God has a way of keeping us on his timetable. And for me as a, as a leader, but also for me personally, um, I, I often get impatient. Uh, I, I want things to happen quickly. Uh, I want to move ahead in my personal life and, and, and get to certain goals that I've set for myself. Um, but yet God uh, doesn't allow that because he has things that he wants me to do and to do so on his timetable. I'll just give you one really specific one right now. Uh, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to retirement age. Now I'm not ready to retire yet, but I'm getting closer and closer. There are some days, however, I really am ready to retire. <laughs> You know, the job just gets wearisome. I think, why am I doing this? Uh, let's let a younger guy have it. Uh, I don't know that my vision's all that insightful anymore. Maybe it's time for a new generation. All these things go through my mind. And I look at my financial situation, and I see that I'm just not financially really ready to retire yet. I, I, I'm not really prepared to take care of my family or, my, or excuse me, my wife and, and our needs and, and our medical care and all the things that go into being ready for retirement. I'm, I'm just not quite there yet. And so when I pray and say, God, I'm, I'm so tired of this job. I, I'm ready to move on. I, I want to do something else. I, I just want to you know, give up and let some younger guy take the load. God said, no, that's not your time yet. You need to keep working for a while longer. I've got more for you to do. I want to use you in some different ways. I want to teach you some new ideas, new insights. So God is controlling me right now in the timing of my life by controlling some of the provision and some of the financial issues that surround me. So God has used this area of his provision to hone my spiritual edge and control the timing and pace of my life. Uh, he's also used it to make it clear to me over and over again that I'm participating in his ministry. Uh, he's not participating in mine. 
I have a, a received ministry, not an achieved ministry. I, I, I'm working uh, in God's uh, vineyard. He, he's not working in mine. <laughs> I mean, I could give you a dozen more illustrations of this, try to get you to see the point. But God has used his provision to constantly remind me that I work for him, not the other way around. Uh, that I serve him, not the other way around. That he's God and I'm not, and we need to keep that straight. And so God's provision, when it comes in a miraculous way or a dramatic way or in a way that I could have never anticipated or in a way I could never take credit for, when God brings this provision along, it reminds me that he's in charge, he's doing his work, and I need to cooperate with him and be dependent upon him. You know, this spring, our seminary has received two large gifts. Uh, one was $500,000, and one was just a little more than $500,000. And those two large gifts have been placed in our endowment will provide scholarship funds for students going forward. Neither gift was solicited by Gateway Seminary. I did not speak to either donor um, about those gifts until after they had already made the decision to support us. Our friends who care about us had asked these people to consider including us in their wills and in their estate plans, and they had done so. And then, of course, they had told me about it, and I had met the people along the way. But when these gifts finally came to us, it reminded me that the money that comes to us is not because of my slick fundraising skills or because of my winsome personality or, or even because of my capacity to talk rich people into helping the seminary. It's none of that. God reminded me again this spring by sending these two large gifts to us, Jeff, I have the resources. I'll get them to you when I'm ready, and I'll send them to you to remind you that this is my work, and you're helping me get it done. I'm not helping you to get it done. And then finally, uh, God's provision has helped me to remember that in my work, it's, it's my responsibility to always give God the glory and to let him have the glory. One of the things I most enjoy doing are telling miracle stories of how God has blessed our school financially and giving him the glory. Uh, yes, I do express thanks to people who work in our fundraising areas and thanks to people who introduce uh, donors to our seminary. But when it's all said and done, I want to make sure that I end the speech by giving God the glory. He's the one who has provided, and we must never lose sight of that. So today I've talked about this important principle, God provides God used a remarkable story of healing, uh, remarkable stories of healing and provision through a fish to teach Peter that he could provide personally and financially to meet our needs. And then God works uh, to expand those principles into the ministries that we lead. And God wants us to understand that he can take care of us, he can provide for us, and that he can and will resource what he wants done. So today, uh, I want to challenge you to trust God to provide. Uh, learn this lesson personally and then learn it as a leader. Trust God's provision for yourself and for the ministry you lead and believe that in that provision you can find not only God's goodness but also his guidance. And when you have both of those, you can give him glory for what he's done. Let's keep this in mind as we lead on.